Hi, Murray Walker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I came to the first one and I've been to all the other sorry, The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotman, thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, it is a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotman. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Good afternoon, Radio and welcome to Radio Hot Lap, episode 231. That light-hearted and zany podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing, cool emerging technologies, gadgets, barbecues, and how racing car drivers are written out of cartoon scripts. And today, with me, my illustrious co-host over Skype, ADSL2, with the latest modem, the Fogues. Good That's a very big word. Good evening, Hardy. Good evening, listeners. The only way you can use that word in Scrabble, Scrabble is if someone's put the word ill down and you've got the Ustrious. If I played Scrabble, which I don't, I probably would agree. So, Hardy, we're back. We are. Home together, although separated by some several hundred kilometres, but this is good. Wait, uh, what do you think about uh, the... Uh, I don't know if you've been a, a, a watcher of the McLaren Animation Toon series, but I thought um, on their 12th episode where they've managed to write Lewis Hamilton out of the script rather well, and in fact, it was... Uh, it was in my mind for the last four episodes, ever since the announcement was made he was going to McLaren, how are they going to get rid of him? How are they going to assassinate or get rid of an animated character? Should we do a spoiler alert here? <laughs> or talk around it? But no, it's, it's very clever. It's the best one yet. I mean, they've all been clever and funny, but very oh-so-McLaren. You know, just a little too straight a little too polished, a little too Ron Dennis. But this one, it's very funny and does, in fact, without giving away too much, does, in fact, feature Ron Dennis. But it does answer the question, yes, how do you write out a character from a successful series? The, uh, the... We'll leave that to the, the hearers as... Uh, Crazy David called you people out there to yeah. go and uh, look it up on the is it on the McLaren website I guess and you go to look the tune and it's F uh, twelve is it yeah episode twelve correct uh, you can just type in tuned episode twelve on YouTube or jump into radiohotlap.com and you'll find it right there labelled killing Lewis but um I mean, yeah. those wild and crazy guys at McLaren you know they just <laughs> <laughs> Boy did it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, it's, I mean, this presentation is so important with McLaren, or it always has been, particularly to Ron Dennis, the big, 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 big boss. But scary thought at the Sydney 500, the season ended for the V8s, up at, can't call it Homebush Bay anymore. It is officially Sydney Olympic Park. That is not only the venue, but the whole suburb. Um, Team Vodafone, it's their farewell, as far as being the title sponsorship name of Triple Flight Race Engineering. They've wheeled out a special livery for their swan song at SOP. And uh, bizarrely, or, or attractively, um, the cars have got a very McLaren-esque chrome Vodafone livery where most of the cars are that chrome look with with uh, rocket red, as they call it, fluorescent red highlights. So uh, they're going to go out with a bit of a splash. Jamie Wincup certainly hoping to, well, not hoping to plan to finish off his championship, which he's already won. Uh, um, with a couple more wins, slam at home. 
and then so this is the I don't know is it the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning well it's the chroming of the barriers I think yeah well I was really alluding more to the big changes that are coming up next year this is the this is literally an end of an era it's the end of the V8 supercars that we've all come to know and love for 20 odd years they make way for car of the future next year of course and um, in just a few months, we will be in your good city, Hardy, and uh, we'll be welcoming not only Holden Ford, uh, Holden Ford, the traditional tribal combatants, but Japan's Nissan and, unofficially, Germany's Mercedes-Benz. Other cars are back. Yes, it should be pretty good, folks. And uh, I was wondering whether after the announcement of James Strong becoming the new chief executive of uh, V8 Supercars that they may be changing their um, uh, flying alliance back to Qantas. Interesting point. He's actually non-executive chairman, so he's a bit of a figurehead. Um, he's not... He's replacing Tony Cochran, the man who invented V8 supercars, essentially, um, on the board, but he doesn't have the executive powers. Tony was an executive chairman and he ran the sport. So James Strong, a bit of a renter director. He pops up on boards everywhere. Um, most famously, I guess, you know, he made his name as the boss of Qantas or one of the big chiefs of Qantas way back. But he's got a bit of a motor racing background. He's been on the board of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, which runs the Formula One race at Albert Park, and also um, on the board of Dorna. In fact, he's still on the board of Dorna, which is the um, commercial rights holder of MotoGP racing, the um, motorcycle racing equivalent, I guess, of um, Formula One management, Bernie Eccleston's company. So he's a big fan of motorcycling, apparently. Um, bit of a petrol head, so he'll be a good um, stepping force on the board, but he's essentially a figurehead. He's not running the sport day to day. Um, the sport is now being run by the Chief Executive Officer, David Malone, who arrived just on 11 months, 11 months ago from having been the head of Fox Sports. And I have to say, he's still making his way, but at last, he'll be able to emerge from the considerable shadow of Tony Cochran. I'm sure that uh, his considerable connections in uh, the transportation and industry and uh, Woolworths and so on like that will play into uh, into the, the hands of uh, Supercars and the sport, and I'm sure that he will uh, uh, be able to bow in, uh, bow in next week, uh, next uh, year, and tie up a whole lot of uh, new uh, deals because uh, he's quite famous, folks, for uh, the uh, obligatory bow tie. He is. I, I wonder whether it's going to become compulsory for all okay, supercar staff to, to wear bow ties as well, or at least to formal functions. But, yes, you're right. He is, that's his signature, the bow ties. Um, but, he, to be fair, he does bring considerable credibility to the board of V8 supercars and as well as experience. So, and yeah, really, he's the first, you know, big name in terms of, you know, corporately, big name outsider to come in on the board of V8 supercars. So um, that in itself is a good look. And as you say, you know, his connections throughout industry, I mean, he's served on so many boards, you know, you know, big, as you said, Woolworths, you know, big, big companies. Um, he's well connected. And um, his, his connections with Qantas, because I believe he's still on the board of Qantas, that will be interesting to see whether that... Um, Ruffles feathers. Well, whether it triggers a change of allegiance. It's... Yes. Because VAC, because, as you know, has a... Um, they have an arrangement. Virgin Australia is, is the airline of V8 supercars, as is Etihad is the international airline of V8 supercars, and of course Virgin and, and Etihad are um, co-sharing partners. But anyway, essentially, it's a pretty dull position. Don't ex expect any excitement. Um, but it's about connections, and I think that's good. And I think he's well. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say flamboyant, but I suppose that, that's just what comes to mind with him. I remember under his. When he was, you know, running the show before Jeff Dixon, he certainly had a, uh, you know, 
a very cultured sort of view. And perhaps that fits well with some of the higher echelon brands coming into the sport, you know. He's probably a Mercedes-Benz driver. Silver-haired and youthful looking for his age. Who does that remind you of, John? Uh, Folks, yourself, I think. Hmm, I can't think, no. Anyway, presumably he'll be out and about at Hartenbush this weekend. Perhaps a bow tie should be uh, a mandatory for all media stuff, uh, practicing media stuff in in V8s. You know, I mean, that you want one new initiative for the equally new V8 Media Association, <laughs> which will be making its debut also at the Sydney 500 this weekend. Strange, <laughs> and and you know, quite uh, timely that you should. Conquer that image, John, and, and... I mean, this is about having cucumber sandwiches with the crust cut off, isn't it? I mean, you know, and, and, and warmer pies, as opposed to sandwiches. I mean, one, one must be focused, valet parking, throwing photographers into a room on their own with all their baggage and their desk-stealing space, you know, and their, and their attitude... Well, it's a professional organisation that hopefully will dedicate itself to meaningful reforms. You know, I mean, such basic things as, you know, caviar and champagne being served at lunch to the media. Look, don't cut Richard Crail's boutique media centre at the Bathurst 12-hour where he's offered caviar and blinny and the shaved egg with the little diced cubes of of, um, red onion. So don't mess with that, folks. Well, he's our man. We'll put him forward. That's great. <laughs> Even if he can't be spelt correctly. I mean, maybe... Richard Crawl, as he was listed uh, Richard Braille. Uh, Hang on, I'll just feel that again. No. No, well, we, we're, we're keeping the hearers in the dark a bit with what we're talking about. <laughs> you can't be stealing Dr. Ennold's line. Listener viewers, people, <laughs> and others. Um is that the media who cover V8 supercars regularly have... Uh, revolting. ...got together. They are very revolting. They've got together and they've formed a professional association and the upshot of which, initially anyway, is that on Monday they'll be announcing a series of media-related awards and by the look of it, everyone will go home with a prize. Even you. <laughs> After getting pissed no, at the... It's like being nominated to the Academies. You know, we're up for Oscars. I mean, look, it's a double-header day, isn't it? I mean, there won't be a single media representative in V8 supercars that turn up at the uh, at the Gala dinner, like, straight. No, we'll, we'll all be um, <laughs> lent by the time we finish our piss up around the corner. That's <laughs> right. So, you could ring Col and say, look, um, actually, you can probably cut down on the booze by half because we're already tanked from lunch. Yeah. No, it'll be good. I think the lunch will go well. Uh, 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 the winner is... Wow. Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. Uh. Anyway, it'll be interesting and maybe we'll go home with a gong, Johnny. It's, um... I've never had a gong. I'll give you one later. But listen, it's very remiss of me, folks, to... You're a genius. You've probably had a tech gong somewhere, but I haven't had a gong. I can't find a quick gong on here. I've been working on that new console. It's rather rather large. Oh, the super mixer, yes. I mean, you've gone fully pro. The analogue super mixer. The the valves are just warming up. But look, folks, more importantly, what are you having to drink tonight? Wet wine. (laughs) <laughs> There's a shock. That's almost as big a shock a, as the Toyota 86 winning the Fairfax Media Drive Car of the Year award. I'm having, since you asked, a <coughs> uh, a, a clean skin Adelaide Hills Pinot, Pinot, which for eleven dollars, you know, it's not too bad. And um, you really got to spend a bit more on Pinots, but um, it's a Hell of a lot better I, than a ninth aisle. I also have been drinking a peanut. Ah, very nice. And which, where is that from? Um, Morning from Perth. Sword. It's at Swords. Um, strange brew that I found out in the bush. <laughs> Comes in the litre bottle. Was that when you were leaving, after you'd left Peter Falconio? 
<laughs> There's nowhere to go with that, is there, really? None. No. I didn't know you had a Hilux. So, yeah. <laughs> with a can of peas. Right on. Anyway, before the here is for us, right on. Get on with it. Substance. Okay, your choice, folks. Is it F1 or V8s? What do you want to talk about? Mm. That's a very difficult Formula One. How was the finish? Wow. Uh, was the finish. How was the whole damn event? I don't know where to begin. I mean, it was just riveting all the way through. You never know, you never knew where to look, who to look at. And Kimmy's still trying to get home. <laughs> so, he is so funny, isn't he? Oh, different from last time. It was open in 2001. Um, I hope it'd be open next year. Yes, folks, I have to say, I reckon it's the best race I've seen in 20 years. Yeah, it's got to be up there. I mean, it had everything and more. Just goes to show you, add a little rain, little, you know, even a little mist to the equation, and it all turns upside down. And, yeah, I mean, in the end, probably, you know, by an, you know, almost negligible margin, the right result. But you've got to feel for Fernando Alonso. I mean, he's flogged that. Ferrari, which, you know, is more of a draft horse than a prancing horse this year. He's just put in places where it had no business being, you know, and he, he, he gets there, he, could, he couldn't do any more. Yet, you know, Sebastian Vettel, after, you know, being spun out. By the, by the, uh, by the errant, or rather by the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the villain Brazilian. Well, There's yeah, always a yeah. Brazilian yeah. villain the in the of the legend, the hometown hero, Bruno Senna, yeah. Uh, no, it's just, as I said, you don't know where to begin. It was an extraordinary race, but it was an extraordinary finish to what was, in the main, an extraordinary season. I mean, purists may, you know... Disagree. Well, well, I, just, I think it, was, it yeah. went a little bit soft mid-season. But then, John, by all the artifices that were introduced, you know, the, the Pirelli tyres and their high degradation and the, you know, drag reduction system and all this stuff. But <laughs> I'm sorry, as a spectacle, it worked. So I'm a purist, but, you know, suck it up. <laughs> it produced the best racing we've seen perhaps forever, actually. Perhaps forever, because the last couple of seasons have actually been, last few seasons have actually been pretty interesting. But this one just ebbed and flowed and flowed and went all over the place. And, you know, for the first half season, you had no idea who was going to get up because everyone was having a bite of the cherry. And then Vettel came on with that four-race winning streak. And you've got to say, you know, given his drive from the pit lane to the podium at Abbey, his strong finish in Texas, and again, another, you know, drive back through the field, this time only to, what was it, sixth, but uh, no, yeah, whatever, it was enough to clinch the championship. I'm so confused, I can't remember. But it, you, you're quite right, folks, but it, it was only just a tiny bit. I mean, the fact that if he dropped back one more spot or, you know, who knows if the safety car, look, at, I don't think that Fernando was going to be able to, Pull in Jensen, they were about like 18 seconds apart. But on the other hand, Jensen could have crashed. And then you also had like the battle of between Ferrari and McLaren, like for uh, manufacturers' points. And in fact, they were they were on top for a while. And then um, sort of the clash between Paul DeResta and in turn one, um, hard to pinpoint. It probably was DeResta's fault with 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 uh, Lewis Hamilton sending him off out of the race there. Um, you know, and the fact that even a Force India car got up there, and then the well, th yeah, Hulkenberg was, and then the other one crashed itself to pieces. He seems to have a thing about that track. If you remember, a couple of years ago, he won pole position there in similar conditions. But sorry, I got it the other way. Yeah. Played into Jensen Button's hands. I mean, the fact that he was on the front row of the grid next to Lewis, you know, was pretty good anyway. Um, Hamilton and Button off the front row ahead of the two Red Bulls. Headed by Weber, not Vettel. Um, does seem like Sebastian. He did 
Mm-hmm. Well, a bit of, bit of choking going on, you know, the pressure of the weekend, but um, but Button drove superbly. I mean, in those conditions, he is the master. He excels every time. There are variable weather conditions and the tracks are the slightest bit greasy. He always comes to the fore. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and you wonder why he's... It's no wonder why he's fitted in so well at McLaren and why he wasn't absolutely... Well, the betting was when he went from Braun to, to McLaren was he would get humiliated by Lewis Hamilton. Uh, uh, not at all. And in fact, you know, you'd almost say that he showed up Hamilton. Certainly the, the, the recent Lewis Hamilton who's, you know, hasn't been... Uh, well, he's been off with the fairies quite a bit. Um, but anyway, so Button's well positioned. Um, next year, he'll be without doubt the team leader. With, you know, even though Sergio Perez, you know, is a handy driver with a lot of potential, we have no idea how good he can be. It's a very strange decision to appoint him. And Lewis is off to try and guide the Silver Arrows back to where they thought they would belong for the last three years, but they haven't actually got there. And <laughs> once again, Michael Schumacher kicked out for a new younger superstar. You think he might get the message now? Yeah, it, um, I, I can't help but feeling... I know it's not, and not, it's not relevant specifically to the racing, but having, you know, I've quite become in, in love with the tuned concept. I, I look forward to watching it, and, and there's, it feels like the, the, the two characters, mm-hmm. Jensen and Lewis, work very well, and I'm wondering how that is going to work straight away with, with Sergio in the cartoon, because simply they don't know each other. Isn't so they can't be offhand. He's Mexican. What do you think, then? The possibilities are endless. Speedy Gonzalez. For a start, ondale, ondale, eha, eha. <laughs> no, I think they'll have a ball. <laughs> well, then, poor old Nick DeVries. <laughs> he's been left out. Because, you know, they had to bring him in. He's, what, he's the Freno 3.5 driver or something like that, isn't he? Or GP3 driver that under the McLaren Young Driver Program. They always say, well... I was worried for content, so they brought him in. It was absolutely terrible. Terrible episodes. Is that right? Steve Jobs wouldn't have liked it. Wouldn't even have... I had no idea who you're talking about. But, uh, GP3, what's that? Is that like the Dunlop series? <laughs> it's, or, like, or, it's like or, the Kumo. Is it like the V8 Utes? It's the Kumo series at the Nationals. The what? <laughs> exactly. John, you know I don't know about such things. No, no, it's worse than that, you don't care. I go to the V8 supercar meetings and Formula 1 meetings and I hear screaming engines from the Formula 1s, I hear the V8 supercar, but I also strangely hear other things going on on the track and I'm I'm mystified. What is going on? And it's like the media said, savages are here! (laughs) Or in Western Australia. Curry's arrived. Caviar's up. Champ is on. Bow ties installed. The VA Media Association will be a very serious body. That's right. And I'll tell you, I won't stand for any short-cutting sandwich corners. No. Well, our weekend warriors are on notice, so, you know, up your game, Hardy. Absolutely. But, uh, folks, uh, and I didn't want to ambush you on uh, anything here specifically, but I think... Um, it's fair to say that, uh, and to be quite sensible, that uh, a, a sports sedan legend passed away suddenly this week, uh, David Wall's father, Des Wall, um, who he and uh, and the son have had the unique had the unique um, uh, what is it recognition of both winning a national championship in the same year, a father and son, and it's a very very sad uh, thing to see him go in such a very short period of time. It goes without saying, always sad, and it'll be tough on David at the Sydney 500 this weekend. But yeah, no, Des was a great character and a great supporter of the sport. And, um, in the, you know, I mean, he was in the, he competed in sports stands, you know, well into their twilight. I mean, back in the early, uh, sorry, 
through the 70s and early 80s, sports sedans were huge. But, you know, they're monsters to drive. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't he also um, have the... Didn't he buy and restore the uh, the famous ex-Ian Gagan... He may have, I, I don't recall, but he, he did win the Kerrick Championship uh, in the last couple of years and before he took leave of absence, for, oh, no doubt, for uh, the, the illness uh, this year, he was actually leading the championship. So, you know, that's a very... That's, oh. Hey, what, a, what a, a tough competitor. And, I mean, the only, thing you can, the only thing you can say from that is, like, at least... You know, if you if you're going to have that a terrible illness like cancer, at least you didn't suffer, and it was. Hmm. Well, we're at an age, John, where increasingly people that we know or know of are dropping off their perch. So, well, let's hope Cos- Cosworth is not on our perch. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And anyway. it's a reference to the. Twelfth episode of Tuned, but you'll find that out for yourself when you watch it. But this weekend, folks, final full on, mate. Everything to play for. Hand me down. No one cares. Smash it to pieces. Give it to the people we've sold it to. We still get the cash. Development stopped. Not interested. They've won it. We don't care. Let's get to the 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 Monday night booze up. Yeah, and your point is. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? There was no point. I I was stating a fact. I'm not sure why anyone but Team Vodafone and Jamie Wincup bothered to turn up to the Galar Awards because there's very few other awards that are going to go elsewhere except, you know, first of the losers and second of the losers and all that. You've got to say it's been a remarkable performance by Jamie Wincup particularly and Team Vodafone. They were on the ropes halfway through the year. They were struggling, and they uh, they didn't just bounce back. They they hit back, and I think the thing is that has, to my mind, distinguished Win Cup's championship this year, and why I think it's probably his best, is because particularly early in the season, he, he had you know a run of races, particularly on Saturdays, that just went pear shaped for whatever reason. And he would just come back so hard in the next race that he was always, you know, he, he, the times he lost the lead in the championship, but he was always still hovering around there and he could never be dismissed. And then once we got to um, Bathurst, it was, you know, once he, he won that so narrowly from David Reynolds and he just searched forward from there. But his comebacks against advers- adversity, and we saw it at, at Winton, you know, the in the final race, where he wrapped up the championship, the second race, you know, he still had to fight back from the, the strange penalty because the wheel was still spinning when he was up on the jacks in the pit stop. You know, not even that could, you know, keep the championship alive until this coming weekend. Um, and he, he fought back and clinched the championship. I mean, and that to me is the really what underpins or underlines, you know, the worst of his championship this year is that he was just able to, you know, fire back from any sort of problem, um, you know, devastatingly. I mean, it was almost as if, you know, he was much more dangerous, you know, when he was back to, when his back was to the wall, when he was having problems than, than when he didn't. So he'll wrap it up officially this weekend and the rest of them will be squabbling over, you know, Mark Winterbottom and Craig Lowndes will be squabbling over second. Will Davison will be trying to salvage another couple of, you know, psychologically boosting wins. There'll be mayhem, you know, depending on the weather. But, you know, even a sniff of rain, it'll be all on and all over the shop. I mean, you know, it's a very exciting track, and it's a shame that the track and the events future is in doubt. This is the second last year of their existing contract and whether it survives after next year is very much up for debate and it's not so much any question about the New South Wales government support of the event which is relatively minor but in an event that overall I understand costs about 17.5-18 million dollars to stage the on an annual basis the New South Wales government puts in 
I don't know, maybe two to three. The end result of that, the net result is that V8 Supercars carries a loss of something like two and a half, maybe three million dollars, certainly between two and three. And Archer Capital, who are now the owners of V8 Supercars Australia, or the majority owners, um, for everything I hear and have been here for the last year, are simply not prepared to wear that loss on the event. So big moves are underway to get more government support. Surely, I think it's a very short-sighted view by Archer Capital because this is the showcase event in Sydney, the biggest market in the country, the biggest city, that they always wanted. And Coco drove against the odds, drove it through and got a street circuit around the site of the 2000 Sydney Olympics. And it's not perfect, but I reckon it's a pretty, a pretty good venue. You know, they need to work on getting more, bigger crowds there. But it is the showcase events, event in the showcase city of Australia to be at supercars needs and I don't care how much it costs, they've got to keep it there. So if they, if they have to lose money on it for a while, suck it up, boys. Well, look, I think there's uh, probably um, some funding that could, you know, tip it up, you know, top up the, the coffers there from uh, one of the AWU slush funds once that's uh, made uh, sort of uh, more uh, public. But isn't Sydney rather overstimulated? Isn't that the problem... You know, I, I read something, um, an article from one of the Formula One journalists after going to Austin, and it was he made he made a, a very good. I thought it was a good story that um, Austin felt like Adelaide in that everyone got behind it, and apparently, from what what I read further was that Austin is actually a sister city to Adelaide. I don't know how all that sister stuff works. And they went, look, we love Melbourne. Melbourne's great, but it's not the character of Adelaide where everyone gets behind it. And is this not the problem with Sydney that it's too stimulated in that, you know, you, you, you people on the northern beaches, are, you know, they're, they're playing football and people down the south are doing jet skis and people out in the western suburbs are doing break and entry and, you know, it, too many things there, going on. Yes, I mean, the, the Formula One Grand Prix in Adelaide, as I well remember, was always much more intimate because it was right on the doorstep of downtown Adelaide and the, the whole city embraced it because that was like, you know, by far the biggest thing that ever had or will ever happen in Adelaide when it went, when the Formula One Grand Prix went to Melbourne. It's still a big event, but it doesn't have the intimacy. You know, it's not the be all and end all. You know, Melbourne has, you know, all the other great sporting events and then some in Australia, the Melbourne Cup, the Australian Open, the AFL Grand Final. Sydney is a different case altogether. It's just, as you said, there's too much to do to just, you know, enjoying the beaches and and, and the you know, benign climate and all that. And, and, you know, Sydney siders, in my experience, and like you, I've lived in Sydney, and they're just very blasé about big events. You know, they like their break, their NRL and some other stuff like that. But to really attract them, you, you know, it's got to be something special. So... Sydney Olympic Park is is it's pretty special and it's easy to get to. I mean, in terms of public access on public transport, it's fantastic. And it's a great iconic location. You know, if you can't have a, a race where the background is the Sydney Opera House or the Sydney Harbour Bridge, well, Sydney Olympic Park I reckon is the, is the next best thing by far. You know, there's a bit there's a social life is emerging around Sydney Olympic Park, you know, it's a bit like Docklands here in Melbourne, it's slow to start, but there is a nightlife evolving and things to do in and around the track after the racing. And the crowds have been, especially the last few years, have been yet disappointing. They're not as huge as you might want, but they've still been significant and serious. You know, is it the Clipsville 500? No. But in, going back to where you started, it's because it's in Sydney, and it's, you know, where there's so much else to do. And where, you know, also, let's don't forget them. I mean, Sydney's been served, served up, you know, just a dirge of, you know, a rubbish motorsport over the years in terms of venues and events and things. You know, so why wouldn't Sydney siders be cynical? You know, the only decent place is Oran Park. And for most Sydney siders, you know, you might as well tell them to go to Canberra or Goulburn, you know, really. So... You know, I, I think long term it's got a big future and if I were VFN Supercars, I would be backing it to the hilt because it's very important to have this showcase event in Sydney 
if they lose the event, they'll never get anything like it back and we're doomed to Sydney Motorsport Park forever. Oh, you, you, you probably remember, it'd probably be better past better part of 25 years ago, maybe even more, they, there was a circuit planned uh, that ran around the, the foreshore at Woolloomooloo um, and up through the Domain along Macquarie Street, up William Street, down through the Cross. But that was before, you know, all the complexity of the tunnels and things like that. And obviously, you know, something like that would be great. But, of course, then you're all you're only open to is the elitists that can get into that area. Uh, I mean, you know, there have been any number of great proposals like that one. There have been proposals for tracks down around... Um, uh, where the pipe is now that runs, you know, and around past Pier 1 and up through the rocks. There have been other tracks proposed for the rocks area. There have been... I mean, I remember back in 1982 or Paul Dainty, the famous entertainer promoter, yep. had a very serious proposal up to have a street race in Sydney that ran around through the rocks area and into the you know, further into the CBD and places like Phillips Street and all that. And, you know, basically, I don't know if it went into Macquarie Street, but certainly up Elizabeth Street anyway, and took in, took in the iconic locations um, with the bridge and the opera house in the background. And it had Bernie Eccleston's support. Um, in the end, it just went nowhere. It was too hard, you know, of all places. And I think there was even in that proposal, the idea was to start the race on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, <laughs> is down, you know, through the Carl Expressway or something, onto the course. Yeah, right. Um, anyway, there have been all these great ideas over the, over the years, but the practicalities of doing it in that part of Sydney is just basically impossible. I mean, it would be wonderful. Anyway, Olymp Sydney Olympic Park is the next best thing. You know, use it or lose it. That's the bottom line. I don't know if you recall a few weeks ago, uh, Clowns was on radio and uh, had said uh, he really felt that the, the original F1 circuit should come back to Adelaide. Now, I'd had this discussion with Roger Cook when he was the chairman of the board um, uh, maybe five, six years ago, and he said, over my dead body. Well, you know, when you look at Bartell's Road, it's not like there's any, it's not like there's any business on that road. So it's like... You're basically going to go, you know, keep going, left, left, right, turn right at Stag Hotel, which offers business opportunities there. Down there, there's a handful of shops. In fact, I got a haircut yesterday at a little, little place down there, which is where I go to, which is three doors up from the... From the um, do you like my haircut, folks? From the Stag Hotel, do you like it? It's very smooth. Smooth. Um, the bill wasn't. But anyway, and he said... Those highlights... It's low lights. I got special low lights put here. <laughs> low lights. Um, and and the guy said to cover the grey. <laughs> unlike yourself. Look, I don't stop cover it. the. I don't pretend. What but you're doing? Are you the story? Are you doing a Peter Brock? You should be to focus on your unnatural hair coupler. It's the Peter Brock Age Gracefully Project, isn't it? Look, Look, folks, anyway, can we go back to the original story and then you can have a go at my haircut later? Is that, oh, uh, that the guy said, Look, but I'm no, going to need compensation. Can I make notes? Can I make notes? He said, <laughs> Yes. He said, Look, I think I'm all for the circuit coming back to the original F1 stuff, but we have to be compensated for being closed. And I went, Well, okay, well, perhaps they will run a grandstand out the front and you can get tickets and sell extra tickets and give them a haircut at the same time. I don't know, but. You know, like this proposal's actually been around for a while. I think um, it makes sense. Of course, they've got to expand their corporate area. Close to happening, I don't know, four or five years ago, that they were going to expand the circuit, go back to the, the original layout. There, there, as I understand it, there are several problems. Um, one of which is that V8 supercars are of the view is that that would just make the track too long. V8 supercars traditionally like. But the shorter the track, the better. Oh, you know, more time the cars go around. They can, the happier the fans they are. They can just change the, the gears. The cost of and the practicalities of extending the infrastructure apparently are problematic. <coughs> um, but on the other hand, there's always been a case for it because um, there's apparently, well, apparently not enough, but there were suggestions that, that there would be enough corporate support to open up the rest of the old Formula One yeah, track. Quite so. Yeah. 
paid for by, you know, sponsor marquees and grandstands and all that. However, apparently, you know, I mean, you know, John, if there were dollars to be made, they'd be doing it. So obviously someone's worked out that, you know, there aren't enough dollars to be made out of that to warrant extending the track. So I, I think it'd be great. I mean, I love the original old layout. I mean, I, I think the V8 Supercar layout's pretty good as well. I mean, you know, turn eight, they don't get much better than that. But, you know, having the whole um, extended track like it used to be back in the Formula One days, yeah, would be good. Would it be a better track? I'm not so sure. I think it, I think it would. But, you know, you, what do you think? Mate, I, I think it, I think that, you know, it's, it's time for them to open it up and, and, and make it the long track. And it's a perfect opportunity with them changing the car of the future, not that it's going to happen, you know, next year. But um, there's, as I said before, clearly there's no retail operations down Bartels Road that are going to suffer because it's completely parkland. And all you're, only, all you're going to get is more retail opportunity and, um, and more corporate, corporate mm. space. And you're going to actually use the parklands to its fullest, which are pretty much anyway... You know, used up by horse trials right now, and uh, and the fringe festival. So it, it it makes a lot of sense going down there to um, uh, that the the the, the right hander onto Brabham Strait, which would make it a very very long straight uh, brewery bend. I believe they used to call it. Now our apartments. Uh, I think it was one of the West End brewery operations there. All sorts of. I just think it'd be a, a really great idea. Plus, it would give you know some of the an opportunity to bring some of the retired F1 drivers back out there. They'd probably go. Oh, it'd be cool to have a bit of a go around here again. I, I can see Gerhard Berger driving around in the Bob Jane Team Art Six Three Five CSI. I can mm-hmm. see him. I can see it. I can see. And in fact, I have to ask you. Remember when uh, when Don Panos brought the uh, Race of a Thousand Years out, which was. New Year's Eve 2000 going into the year 2001 I'm pretty sure they ran the long track the, despite the fact Yeah, I think they did, I wasn't here for it so I, I was living overseas then so um, I didn't ask what you had for dinner I just I'm, wondered what I'm you not had entirely had. sure where they did it and it was actually New Year's Eve 2000 2000, that's what I said No, you said it was New Year's Eve 2000 going into 2001 no, it was 99. No, it was not. It was not. It was not the new millennium. It was 2000 going into 2001. Because no one would have fucking turned up for that. Race of a thousand years. It was the race anyway, of a thousand years. It just reinforces I wasn't there. So I, you know, I, I don't know what it was like and I can't remember, but I suspect you're right that they used the full track because that's all they knew at that stage. The only two drivers in the V8 supercar field, well, actually, there's only one driver in the. <clears throat> Correction: Two drivers in the V8 supercar field that drove that race, and one team owner that got a ring in. The ring in being Brad Jones to replace yeah. Alan McNichol in the Audi R8 after he had a little bit of a, a tail bottom problem, and Jason Bright and uh, Greg Murphy in the panels. You're right. Yeah, I, didn't, I wouldn't have remembered that if my life had depended on it, but I wasn't there. Well, the reason I remember. Is because Don Panos was wearing a hat with Crocodile Hunter on the side, and, and it reminds. And because the the the, out, the Audi R8 was actually one of them was painted in spe- specific a crocodile livery, which has ab- never been replicated. And it's yeah. probably the number one art car in the world, and no one really knows about. It. But it reminds me of your yeah. press hat. Anyway, I think of your press hat. The idea of using the old track has. Great appeal, but I don't like your chances, so... <laughs> well, Roger Cook's not in charge anymore. No. Luckily. It's not. As uh, you said, that not me. <laughs> I don't do the project anymore. I got fired. I'm just trying to get back in. I got fired for doing too good a job. Me, John, if you have nothing good to say about someone, then don't say anything at all. I won't. I will absolutely say nothing. Now, um, <coughs> <coughs> yeah, folks, I, just going back a little bit to, you know, the... Is your internet dying on us? 
had a little bit of a pause then, but no, you're still here. Yeah, right. So yeah. I'd just like to say that going back to um, Jamie's performance at at uh, at Winton, I mean, you and certainly uh, it would certainly demoralise many people. I mean, I think so many drivers would be going home and teams would be going, oh my god. I, uh, what are we going to do? It just doesn't get any better. It's the same again, the steamroller. Only um, perhaps not made any better, but on the other hand, you can look at it as a come on, lift your act comments by Roland saying, look, if you guys don't lift your act, this shit's going to happen again next year. So oh, I, I, and I think he was in his right to say it. It's going to happen next year, probably worse, because for all the talk about car of the future levelling the playing field, Bollocks. It's it is good. only going to favour the rich teams with the most resources because it is such a big change and even if the cars are easier to drive and less cumbersome than they are now, it's a it's a such it's a quantum leap. So the teams that have the best of everyone and everything, which essentially at the moment his team, well, it'll be Red Bull Racing or Red Bull something racing next year um, and Ford Performance Racing, which will be backed essentially by Pepsi Max. Um, they'll be the two teams to beat. It'll be this year all over again. That might be the odd aberration. And the cynic in me suspects that both Nissan and Mercedes fans will score the odd miraculous win thanks to an entertainment safety car, as Jamie Wincup would like to characterise. But essentially, you know, it's going to be more of the same because, well, who else is going to get up? I mean, HRT, you know, they're, they're as on the floor as they'll ever be, and if they don't get up next year, serious questions will be asked. Um, SBR are even going to be more of a shadow of their former selves because they've got embroiled in this alliance with Erebus Motorsport and AMG and starting from scratch, particularly engine-wise. Um, Nissan will probably equip, equip themselves better, but, you know, the Kelly Racing mob have a lot to prove. You know, they're struggling with a, the most known quantity of, of all time in the Commodore this year. Um, so who else is going to jump out and take Triple Eight? racing on. I, I don't see it, unfortunately. I'm thinking Triple Eight racing might become Infinity Triple Eight racing to be aligned uh, much like F1. <laughs> well, except Infinity is a, is a Nissan brand, so... But, but it's... But, but be, hello, yeah. they, the Nissan shops don't sell Infinity and vice versa, do they not? Uh, and, you well, know, like, the, the and when you've got... To Australia, and they have a separate dealer network, but... It, you know, it's Nissan's luxury brand, so I see where you're coming from. They've just announced this branding, or well, more than branding, they now have a technical partnership and naming rights for next year it will be Infinity Red Bull Racing. So it's a, you know, a big brand of sponsorship, but that AAA is still running holds. They're still a factory-backed team. So, that, you know, picking up Infinity sponsorship is, a, well, that would be a stretch too far. It would be indeed. Well, anyway, mate, it's going to be interesting next year just because of the newness, new sponsors, new brands, um, new, well, a new race in Texas. The, the, the V8 Media Association. Barbecue before Super 500 dinner. At well, that's going to be... World know, Radio. Well, season. <laughs> we're going to have our gala event at the beginning aren't we? And you will be, you know, the 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 shifter. What's the what's the head chef? Shifter moment. No, what, what is the head chef? Uh, at a restaurant? I don't know. It's one up from the head chef. The one up from sous chef. I'm, I'm not going to be cooking. What do you think I'm going to be teppanyakiing for all these people I don't like? You are. You're going to be cooking to your little. Delicate little fingers are worn to a frazzle, feeding us. <laughs> will not. I will. I will take it up with the committee on Monday, along with the new logo, no doubt. You'll you be, can. You'll, you can present the new logo. 
we're having a new category for the awards at the end of next year. It'll be V8 Supercar Chef of the Year. It's like... <laughs> I shan't be content before I tell you. No, uh, and uh, and but you could be. Uh, am I allowed to have my dinner at any stage? You, you, yes, you are, and uh, we're about to wind this up, but you could be uh, in contention for the the Fiat Supercar Snappiness of the Morning Award. Well, I hope there's a curmudgeon. You know. The curmudgeon, that's right. Okay. Hey, look. Before we, uh, we, we we wrap it up, and I, I don't want to bring it up with uh, JP tomorrow on episode uh, 231A or 232 or however, whatever he wants to talk about, the perils, there's a bit of techno stuff, the perils of backing up 760 gigabytes of data. But uh, I, I just... And my condolences, too. Oh, uh, yeah. Mate, uh, just uh, some, some, some... What's going on? Uh, the impending retirement or... or a sabbatical of uh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Well, officially I don't know because auto action and by extension me and probably because of me have officially been banned by Stone Brothers Racing. According to Ross Stark, who I spoke with briefly at the beginning of this week, the team now has an official policy that they don't talk to auto action. And when I asked him further, particularly how long was that, was it forever? He replied tersely, yes. What, what have you done wrong? So, well, I mean, debatable. I don't believe we have done anything wrong, but it would appear that this is in... It's a dual upset, isn't it? You know, it's a reprisal for our... Erebus uh, scenario? Robust reporting of Shane Van Gisbergen's Van Gisbergen's Gisbon. unhappiness SBR. Oh, Gisborne actually is a town in New Zealand, should you know? Yes. Gisborne. Um, that, you know, the reasons of which are still shrouded in mystery and, and not held by the team um, basically in agreeing to release the Giz. Um, they put a gag order in the contract. He... he or they or anyone can discuss the split or, or the reasons for it. And that's a shame as far as the Giz is concerned anyway. Um, but our robust, robust reporting, and going back further, I suspect, um, we led the way in, in reporting on Stone Brothers cozying up with Erebus Motorsport and AMG to go racing with Mercedes-Benz little cars next year. And it was on. It was off. It was on again, and we predicted that. Anyway, I think we've been just too much of a thorn in that team's side for Ross Stone um, to accept it, and he's just cracked it. Might, might I speculate? Might I speculate? Because I uh, I had a rather interesting perspective of uh, of uh, SVG um, at Sandown, being uh, in. Uh, one of the luxurious pit complexes, looking down. And it struck me that he had a very similar walking pattern and overly loose race suit, a la Shark, Shark Villeneuve, who was always wanting size four greater than himself. And I just, I, I watched his body language and it looked like he didn't want to be there. Well, very, very it's shuffling it's his shoes. As, as baggy as sharks, Villeneuve, but it was two foot taller, of course. Yeah, no, by all accounts, Shane was over it. Yeah. It, whatever it is, really is, was over it by then, well and truly, anyway. So maybe he's going fishing with time. Casey. What about Casey? Maybe he'd be going. He's, he's painting some fishing with Casey. The two of them on Lake Taupo. Yeah, I was going to say, well, if Casey's going to go to New Zealand, yes, they can fish to their heart's content, but Casey will be racing V8 supercars in one form or another next year, so... I mean, if... We'll the, see the no. gift back, don't worry. If those guys were going to go fishing, they'd have to take Rod Salmon along, wouldn't they? Because that guy really knows how to hook up, get it off the line. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> and maybe Damien White, just for good measure. The whole thing is curious. 
the ban on auto action of me is unnecessary and will come back to bite them. Are you uh, feeling a feeling rather unloved? Me? <laughs> um, I think you probably know, John, that I don't give up. Because I could get a, a, a lower than Dunlop series driver to call you just to <laughs> make you feel a little better. <laughs> Perhaps someone from the Utes. <laughs> Well, it, it's an absolute travesty. I may actually have to cover the Dunlop series this weekend for you know, my definite media because it's the only championship that's still alive and it's, you know, the so-called the future stars of various supercars will be on display this weekend, blah, 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 blah. You know, so they may actually get a run. <laughs> oh, my, it's, it's a good thing I'm not cynical, isn't it, really? I've been mean, I reckon I've got a better, better chance of getting a drive in supercars with a checkbook than we have out driving Dunlop series with you reporting. I'll be trying to avoid it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only live championship going, so I may be stuck with it. We'll see. No, they're, they're good young men and they deserve some encouragement. What else is going on up there? Look, we've got to wrap this up, you know. We're coming up to the one hour mark. Oh. It's a, it's actually I tell a lie. It is I just remembered and don't ask me why I remembered this. It's the decider of the Australian GT Championship. Oh jeez. Well whether they continue to be a championship. Our friends at Erebus have imported Vern Schneider, DTM legend, to come and co drive with or no co drive or drive the second car to He's got a bit of a downturned lip, Burnt. Yeah, but he's been out here for a week, so he's having a good holiday. <laughs> and, uh, he has, and, um, no, he, but he's, he's a dead set, genuine DTM legend. And, you know, multiple winner with Mercedes Benz in DTM and the old GT Championship. Oh, and the, the old GT Championship. Uh, driver before that with Zach Speed, I seem to recall. Oh, good word. Anyway, but he's, he's, he's Peter Hackett's wingman this weekend. And, you know, Peter Hackett, can hardly can, can hardly give him some shoes. Right bright time. With the kids doing a bolter, Peter Hackett outside, I'll admit, but he's like one of the contenders to fill the vacancy because they're just you know, there's nobody around you know, like, you know, a calibre to fill that seat. So SBR are gonna be scrambling around the place looking hither and yonder and you know, I mean, probably in the, in the end, Erebus will will probably have the say, and they'll probably bring in someone, you know, with AMG connections from overseas, I suspect. But anyway, it's up for grabs. And um, as I said, although he's an outsider, Peter Hackett is probably a contender for that drive. I tell you, the, my uh, prediction for the weekend then up there, along with Triple Eight, more chrome on the concrete. Oh, yeah, there'll be lots of that. Oh, it's a great... It's a car-wrecking, car-killing circuit. I love it. Especially if there's a bit of moisture. We love a bit of moisture. Oh, look, and I have to say that I know you won't give a whatever, but uh, at the Shannon Nationals at Sandown, where the Touring Car Masters uh, were racing last weekend... I know, I can see you folks. You're shaking your head. But it's it, it's, it was sad to see... A, a lovely car being destroyed. Poor old Jim Richards' javelin wreck destroyed in uh, in an accident, which wasn't his fault. But on the other hand, the javelin wrecked, destroyed. I thought he's driving the Falcon Sprint. No, he's <laughs> he's been driving the javelin this year. No, I know, but the javelin I was destroyed. Was reading something beforehand saying he was going to switch to the Falcon Sprint for that. No, a, a, G, a, G, a GDH show spun in f a few cars in front of him, uh, just at the, the sprint. at the at the pit entry, and uh, he hit the car at one side. Clarify. So he raced the javelin on the weekend at San, uh, not the sprint. Correct, as he has done all year. No, but he, beforehand. He said he was going to run the sprint at Sandown. I read that. He's he's a bit of a wily fox. You you've, you've caught me flat-footed. Folks, <laughs> you don't follow the national stuff. No, but I just peripherally observed that he was going to switch back to the sprint 
for this meeting and now you're telling me he was in the Javelin, which is a beautiful car, and you're now telling me, you I mean, my heart. It, it is is wrecked. Still my beating heart, it's wrecked. And I mean, that's tragic. I love that car. Well, it's... Um, I love it. It's... Um, it, it, it's uh, definitely requiring uh, the insurance from motoring enthusiasts to fix it. Sure. And Jim, Jim, Jim will use a bit of bailing wire and some cotton wool and rebuild it. He always does. That's right. But it was a very entertaining race. And I just will sign, sign off by saying that I actually watched it on itvlive.com.au and I didn't know that was there. I didn't know they were broadcasting out. Hey, it wasn't HD... It was a tiny bit jerky, but it was still pretty good. And uh, I tuned in to watch the Touring Car Masters final race to see Andrew Medici come from last to win the race. And so that was pretty cool. I know. <laughs> Your grey hair is showing up. I know. You don't care. But it was humorous. John, the time has come for me to say, viewers, hearers, just been listening to what you just missed Radio Hot Lab. Have you got no tech time to sign off with or a barbecue tip? Do you, like the, do you like the barbecue I gave you?